Good morning. Welcome to another edition of Mornings with Matthew. I'm your host, Matthew Tregesser, and joining me today is Ferris Preston Hennekins from our Government Relations Department. As you guys can see, we're doing a visual element now with the podcast, and we're hoping to do this uh, probably once a week. Um, and we thought it would be more interesting for listeners to see kind of our studio and I guess what we look like in person. Um, so today we'll be discussing um, and reacting to the 2020 Democratic presidential debates that occurred recently. Um, obviously, there's a lot to take away, but we want to focus mainly mainly on immigration because that's what we work with uh, every day. So the first aspect of this debate I want to talk about is the decriminalization of illegal entry and proper entry that a lot of the candidates on the first night um, talked about. So let's play a clip of this uh, and we'll react to it after it. Spirited debate on this stage last night on the topic of decriminalization of the border. If you'd be so kind, raise your hand if you think it should be a civil offense rather than a crime to cross the border without documentation. Can we keep the hands up so we could see them? Uh, and let's remember, that's not just a theoretical exercise. That criminalization, that is the basis for family separation. So, Preston, do you think, after seeing this clip, uh, is decriminalizing improper entry, illegal entry, going to help or hurt our current border crisis? Uh, it, it would certainly almost entirely hurt it. Uh, that's, that's a wild proposal. Um, and it's kind of crazy that they've even brought this up. This isn't something that any Democratic candidate brought up before. I think it was Julian Castro yeah. in his immigration plan kind of rolled that out as the, the key you know, part of it. Mm-hmm. And so now everyone's kind of jumped on that and it's become almost the standard line for these Democratic candidates. I mean, that's, that's a horrible idea. That, that we already have so many incentives you know, with our, you know, with our broken asylum system, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the fact that we're not really deporting a lot, you know, there's, there's really no effort to deport people from the interior. Yeah, it's, it's uh, very difficult. Th- so we already have all these incentives, you know, why on earth, you know, why on earth would you just add to that right. by not criminalizing illegal entry? In fact, uh, former Obama DHS Secretary Jay Johnson came out this morning saying, look, if you decriminalize these illegal entries, it's essentially open borders, which I thought was very interesting because mm-hmm. here. You know, he served not even uh, a decade ago, and he's, you know, calling out his, his fellow members of the party. I mean, it's, it goes to show you how far left the Democratic Party has shifted on the immigration issue. I mean, if you recall, not even 10 years ago, you had uh, Democratic uh, candidates and politicians, uh, congressional members voting for, uh, you know, the Secure Fence Act of, of 2006, right. which, you know, provided uh, fencing on the southern border and just... You know, they had a more moderate stance on that, and now it's the complete reversal. They want to decriminalize coming to this country. And I just think that this can only give more fuel to Trump when he runs for 2020. I mean, it's don't you think that he's going to just have a field day with this? Yeah, and I, I think this is actually um, a very bad political uh, stance for mm-hmm. for these candidates to be taking. Obviously, during the primary season, you know, they have to run almost as far to the left as possible to appease the base, to, you know, get stand out in a crowd mm-hmm. of 20 candidates. But, you know, once the eventual winner has to face Trump, they're going to have to answer for why they supported that. And then by comparison, Trump will look almost sane by mm-hmm. saying, hey, this is a wild proposal. You know, under my administration, we, we would not do this. This you know, flies in the face of, you know, 15 years of immigration enforcement. Um, so I think that's, you know, it's 
on one, you know, they're kind of stuck because they have to, yeah. you know, jump onto these wild proposals. But on the other hand, it's going to be very difficult for them to look moderate in mm-hmm. the general. And, you know, our southern border has seen over 100,000 apprehensions for the last three months. These are levels we haven't seen since 2006. I mean, it's really unprecedented. And, you know, a lot of these Democrats and, you know, anyone in this country is concerned about the uh, conditions at the, at the southern border. We're at full capacity. And so don't you think, though, this is just going to add more problems to this crisis because it's going to act as an incentive. You're going to have more people coming to the borders. There's no detention space left. Uh, you know, shortages of, of everything across the board. And if, if Democrats truly cared about migrants and their their well-being, let's say, you know, they wouldn't be adding an incentive like this for them to continue to come at our border at, at record rates. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, in a in a perfect world, what we would want is to, you know, inc- you know, increase the, you know, the, like, the, you know, the funding and the care that mm-hmm. we have at the facilities for the people there while at the same time preventing anyone else from coming. Right. You know, you want to take care of the people that have that have made it here. And, and you know, we attempted to do that yeah. with this border, with, you know, this supplemental emergency funding. Mm-hmm. Um, 4.6 uh, right? Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, if, you, if you're talking about decriminalizing, you know, illegal entry, that fun, you know, th- efforts like that are going to be completely moot. Because, yep. you know, there's going to be so many people presenting themselves at the border it, it'll make what we have now look like, you know, nothing. Yeah, it is just not a good solution at the moment. I, I just can't see where they're coming from. Uh, but another aspect I wanted to talk about during these debates was on the second night, and these Democratic presidential candidates, they um, brought up another incentive for illegal aliens to uh, come to our country. And this was when all the candidates, all 10 candidates on the second night, voted to essentially give government-subsidized health care to illegal aliens in the country. Uh, let's take a look at that clip from the debates. Raise your hand if, gover- if your government plan would provide coverage for undocumented immigrants. So, Preston, I mean, offering government-subsidized health care to illegal aliens in the country is obviously something that we haven't really seen before. And the fact that nearly all, I think all of these candidates essentially said, yep, we're in favor of this. What are your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, again, I think this is similar almost to the question about, you know, decriminalizing illegal entry. I think this, once again, you have to be on board with this as a Democratic candidate. If you're trying to appease the base, if you're trying to stand out in a crowded primary field. But once again, what is this going to look like in the general? Do do Americans really think that's a great use of our, you know, Medicare and Medicaid funding? I don't think so. I think or even taxpayer funding. Yeah, I mean, but I, I and that's the thing is that I think a lot of people are going to look around and say, "No, wait a minute. Our our resources are already strained mm-hmm. as they are. Why on earth would we even consider extending these benefits to yeah. people who have no legal right to be in the United States?" Right. And I just read a report recently where there's a growing concern of a shortage of doctors nationwide and you know, to add right now we estimate that there's 12.5 million illegal aliens currently in our country probably is even higher. I mean, it's it's hard to calculate really the, the total number. But, you know, if you introduce this whole new population to our existing, you know, you know uh, medical programs, to our doctors, I mean, it's just going to be strained, overstrained. And I just don't see how it's going to be a sustainable system after that. Right. And I mean, our, our medical system to an extent is already overstrained, yeah. um, particularly with, you know, publicly funded, you know, yeah. healthcare access. So, 
yeah, this is again, just, I think a political proposal that these candidates think they have to sign on to in order to win the primary. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to come back and bite them in the, in the general. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, I, I don't think that there's you know a huge majority of Americans out there that think this is a wise you know allocation of funds. Not at all. And we have half a million people currently with you know just living on the streets in complete uh, you know just impoverished conditions. Or even look at uh, you know the v, the veterans and you know VA. Veterans, that's, exactly. That's a, a system that's completely collapsing. Low income families, you know, that are law abiding citizens who, or even lawful immigrants too. It, it's there's a huge pool of people who could be using or needing better better medical care and they're just not getting it. And then, you know, Democrats are are proposing spending billions and billions on people who have no legal right to remain in the country. It's beyond me. I don't understand. Um, But I guess this is something that this party is going to be running on as we head into the 2020 uh, presidential elections. Um, now, going off of those two kind of incentives, there was one aspect of the 2020 debates, and I'm sure you saw this, where on the first night, three presidential candidates also uh, spoke in Spanish. And it wasn't for a long time. It was, you know, a couple of sentences, but this was unprecedented. You know, you, you mm-hmm. don't see this in any debates. And the fact that you had three candidates speak up there was, was something, you know, totally different. La situación ahora es inaceptable. Este presidente ha atacado, ha demonizado los inmigrantes. Es inaceptable y voy a cambiar este. Oh, congresista O'Rourke, ¿qué haría usted en el primer día, si usted es presidente, sobre esta realidad que está ocurriendo? What would you do, Congressman, day one at the White House? Vamos a tratar cada persona con el respeto y dignidad que merecen como humanos. Uh, me llamo Julián Castro. I'm not saying that's bad by any means, um, but what are your initial thoughts on that? Do you think it's pandering a little bit to the Hispanic Latino community, or do you think, hey, you know, it, it's symbolic? It, it shows that, you know, we're with that group. Yeah. No. Uh, initially, I, I have no issue with a presidential candidate speaking yeah. Spanish. That's not particularly a huge deal to me. Uh, I do think that, you know, for instance, I think Beto was, that's completely pandering. Yeah. Um, all, you know, so to an extent it, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that just, you know, people hate about politics to begin with is how candidates will, you know, kind of shift there, mm-hmm. you know, uh, depending on the, the audience they're trying to talk to. And I think that's what it is really. Right. Um, but there's nothing, I don't think inherently bad with no, a yeah. candidate speaking Spanish, but it's, it's definitely pandering and, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of where it so comes the, down to the, for me. The, the three candidates were Julian uh, Castro, Beto, and Cory Booker, of all people. So um, definitely something, you know, we it, it's it's new. Um, but, you know, as someone who's a Guatemalan American, part of the Hispanic Latino community, I personally thought it was a little bit of a, a pandering move. Um, as someone, you know, who sees and has family members, who has friends in this community, you know, I think a lot of them would want to see actual concrete policy positions that they're taking to help this community rather than, you know, attempting to speak a couple broken sentences in Spanish. And um, going forward, I don't know if they'll continue to speak in Spanish at these debates. But, I mean, you know, you ask them, how are you going to sol- solve our immigration crisis? And they say comprehensive immigration reform. And it really stays at that. You know, there's a lot of ambiguity as to what they want to do and how they're going to really improve you know, conditions and 
wages and you know just overall uh i guess lifestyles for, for the hispanic and latino community in the united states yeah and something that we you know need to keep in mind at all times too is that you know if if you're talking about helping you know the lower the lower class of americans yeah. which which includes you know first generation immigrants yeah. um if you look at who Ill illegal immigration hurts the most it's that group of people yeah so you know to have a democratic candidate who comes up says that they want to you know amnesty all these people and they'll speak a little bit of spanish mm -hmm. to try to get people to vote for them you know in the short term it's you know I, you know, it's, it's a political move, but I mean, the long-term ramifications of what they're actually selling these groups is, mm -hmm. is very bad for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what would you rather have a candidate that is speaking Spanish or a candidate who's going to tell you the truth about, you know, the effects that, you know, unskilled, uneducated, illegal aliens, you know, how that population hurts right. are, you know, maybe lesser educated and unskilled Americans yeah. who are competing for the same jobs. And, and a lot of these candidates too, the uh, presidential candidates running for the Democratic Party, they want to abolish ICE, but they don't understand that, you know, ICE actually targets illegal aliens, you know, often with, with criminal ties or, you know, criminal convictions that are in these Latino Hispanic communities. And I, essentially these criminals are actually almost preying on people that are from their own communities because it's, you know, I guess they're all in the surrounding areas together, but it's abolishing ICE would not help the Hispanic Latino community, I guess, stay safe from, you know, the MS-13. Right, and, and, you, gangs, and it's know. always it's always important to remember too, MS-13 isn't shaking down, you know, suburban, you know, neighborhood businesses. They're yeah. shaking down the immigrant community businesses yeah. that, you know, where they're living. Um, and, you know, another important thing about ICE too is, you know, what you know, who's going to do that job? It, you know, people say, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to abolish ICE and then replace it with something better. Yeah. It's like, well, Who, there's no, that? there's yeah. no, yeah, it's always we'll abolish ICE and then discuss yeah. enforcement. But there's, of course, no one's seriously right. talking about that. Yeah. So I, I think th there's been a big misunderstanding with ICE and its role. And they do help the Hispanic Latino community because they remove those criminals that are preying on, you know, members in their community to recruit them for MS-13, uh, you know, for other criminal activities. So it's, I think that's something that's completely overlooked by these candidates. And, um, you know, hopefully they kind of stray away from the abolish ICE movement. Um, yeah. I would encourage them to look at ICE's um, quarter two data for removals. Yeah. It was, um, I forget the exact uh, uh, category, but I think they said it was like 91% of interior removals were done of people who had either pending criminal charges or yeah. had criminal convictions. So they're not going into random houses and dragging out, you know, otherwise law-abiding, you know, illegal aliens. Yeah, they're going no, for people who are committing crimes, who are right. terrorizing the communities that they're living in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's plenty of more to talk about, but unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed our visual component of the podcast. Uh, Preston and I will be doing this hopefully weekly. Um, we're still uploading this to SoundCloud, so if you want to check us out there, we'll have the audio portion on uh, SoundCloud, like I said, and it's... Uh, fair.federation. Uh, and for more immigration-related news and content, uh, please check us out on our website at fairus.org. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you next week for another edition of Mornings with Matthew.